Welcome back. It's been a while since we've recorded. Oh, actually, no. I take that back. We recorded a podcast and released one last week. So we're back mostly to our normal schedule. I think as more news comes out and uh, we hear that we're getting closer and closer to actually having live boxing events, the the episodes will start to come back at a regular pace, although the Patreon episodes are still regular with at least a couple to three episodes a week over there, shorter in length. So, um, Fred, you're here with me. We're going to talk about... We're going to talk about the UFC's event this past weekend. But in the context of boxing, because there's a lot of things that... Um, there's a lot of connection between the two. So... Prior to recording, we were going over the plot to a 1996 film called Fear, okay? Which has nothing to do with this, but I just wanted to let you guys know what we were talking about before we started. It does it. Now, let's just start with the question. In general, is it time for boxing to come back? And how we're going to approach this is what did we learn from this past weekend? Well, one, one thing we learned this past weekend was that the virus was there because there were three positive tests uh, that we know of we're certainly going to talk about the uh nda that everyone was forced to sign that dana white suggested did not exist and was not an actual legal thing turns out dana white known boxer size pioneer in the um the exercise sciences doesn't quite understand uh the legal jargon as he claimed so also should know that the pay-per-views looked pretty strong however those numbers far from official and we can we'll get into that in a bit so let's start with the positive from this weekend being positive what did you learn that leads you to believe that boxing can be back uh i don't i don't know if usc told me anything about that you know, it, it's a boxing stop because they have to get regulated by the uh, athletic commissions, and none of them are doing it. You know, like Top Rank was going to go ahead and start doing uh, fights without audience, but uh, Nevada shut everything down. So I don't know. Like I said, this doesn't really say anything. It's like everyone knows you can. It's all up to uh, if the athletic commissions can allow it, uh, how are you going to sort of handle the testing, which I. I don't know, you know, like I said, come on. I don't think any athlete really has to worry about Corona or COVID-19. Taking it to other people, eh, okay, maybe that's a bit of a risk, but come on. Well, let's go. It's over. Trump Trump beat it, so let's let's get everything fired up. I, I don't know get about that. I, I think there there's certainly a lot of things, uh, certainly liability things. But the thing that you, you mentioned, which is most important, is that boxing – relies on these well it doesn't rely but like boxing has these organizations that oversee it that can make life difficult for a promoter even the most snakish carny promoter out there may not be able to succeed because you do have to deal with athletic commissions you do got to deal with sanctioning bodies unless you want to have fights that aren't sanctioned by any sanctioning body in which case very likely those fights won't be very high level because most of the guys that draw ratings on TV, they fight uh, under sanctioning body or well, their fights are sanctioned because they want to get ranked in. Ultimately, 
if they don't have titles, win them. And if they have a title, defend it. And if they're in position, maybe even fight for a title. So Yeah, well, like, okay, it, just to jump back, you know, like, originally they were going to do this at Tachi Palace, eh? You know, and back you're in talking April. about the UFC. Yeah, the UFC is going to put it on. And even then, there were boxing writers going, boxing should do this. Well, they can't because there's a federal law that <laughs> says they have to abide by uh, athletic commissions. You know, the, the Ali Act says you have to have a measure that is equal to uh, what the athletic commissions have, have set through, like the ABC guide. Now, you know, why? isn't regulated. Uh, it's just part of the Ali Act. But, but so like, so if we are writing the Ali Act, which we're both familiar with it, but, like, we put ourselves in the position of why did that well, get, get written? To stop, uh, to stop, like, smokers and underground fights and that kind of stuff. I mean, the, the answer I was fishing for, which, I mean, not that you didn't answer it, but it's like that was done with the the thinking of how best to protect yeah, the, the, the the boxers. And, and the Ali Act actually came from the, what was it, the, the Professional Boxing Safety Act or what? Well, it was it right? an amendment. Yeah, it was an amendment to the Professional Boxer Safety Act. It was 96. Ali Act sort of tightened up a bit more of the business. They want to do a lot more, of course, but hey, you know. So government. like over the over the course of, of, of the last century, boxing has come under um regulations people have tried like various senators and all this stuff have tried to put together laws that accomplish a couple of things but the main one every single time was safety and that makes sense right safety you if you didn't have these these uh clauses and these laws to protect uh fighters then you would have a smoker which um you want to describe what a smoker is for anybody that doesn't know what that is uh, basically, it's like an underground fight, like a, you know, uh, sort of, uh, it, it gets a name because, you know, everyone's smoking cigars and shit and everything is like for sort of like a small scale for more like money guys. But it's basically, you know, off the books. It's a cockfight. Yeah, well, like I said, it, it, it's, it's not like he was like, you know, bare knuckle or no rules or anything. It was just sort of off the books, you know, fighting, which might be some gambling going on, you know. Some illegal things. Commission's not anywhere to be found, you know. Maybe they were smoking crack after. <laughs> Maybe they're smoking crack, like in the movie Fear. <laughs> uh, but ultimately, it just by the way, so I can finish that thought. Um, if you also want to know, uh, the Ali yeah, Act. If, if you're gonna fish this much, man, you should give me an outline. You can't. Go I don't have an outline. I'm just going. But that's what I'm saying. So you can't. You can't keep hitting me with all these fishing. No, I, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna say something you can think about. You can either respond to what I'm going to say to or think of something else on your right. own. But I was going to say basically, because I said there were one of two things that every time uh, someone got a hair up their ass to bring regulation to boxing, um, one of them was obviously fighter safety and how to make the fights uh, safer. And like you can see as our medicine has gotten better, we're still seeing the effects of like you look at a – and, and I hate to say this, but you look at it like a James Tony or an Evander Holyfield, and you can certainly see they're feeling that they are exhibiting the effect of years and years of boxing and maybe boxing past your expiration date. And most famously, Muhammad Ali and the effects that he had on his prolonged career. So obviously, safety has always been a concern, and it was a lot worse, you know, before the past few decades. Uh, and the other thing, 
which you're going to really enjoy, Fred, is every single time from the 50s and 60s to the 70s to the 80s when when regulation or at least bills got drafted to regulate boxing, what was also included was some sort of oversight, some sort of league structure to come to boxing. And every time that fell flat, but without quite or without fail, every time somebody brought this regulation to the table, they wanted to create a league-like structure, which is funny because if you like pull up any thread on boxing on Reddit and you say, well, how do we improve boxing without fail? What do you, what do you hear? Well, you need a league. You need like one league where someone is in charge and can order all the fights and there's no, all these sanctioning bodies and all of that stuff. That's, yeah, but that's nonsense. Though. Well, I, I, all I'm saying is this is like the more things change, the more they stay the same. It's something yeah, that I, consistently I, I has been brought up. We've seen attempts at it. PBC, I think, was an attempt at it. We've seen uh, when that happened, people rejected it. We're seeing with the UFC that they have a league-like structure, and it's not perfect. <laughs> and it's terrible for the boxers. Terrible for, for the for boxers. The, for, the, for MMA fighters, I mean. You know, yeah, it's it's terrible for them. Their art their salaries are kept artificially low. You know, obviously nowhere near reflecting to how popular the sport is. You know, the the sport's not worldwide as popular as boxing, but uh, it's you know UFC. Well, it, <laughs> you got UFC and Bellator in America essentially now, and a couple small scale feeder leagues. But uh, that like pro yeah. fighting league or something. Yeah, well, uh, no one. Yeah, I don't know yeah, a feed or something, but I know right. it exists. So yeah, I forget. I, I was confused with them with the International Fight League, which M- UFC bought out. But all right, yeah, it's, your little knowledge of MMA. I don't know that much. Yeah, I'm just I'm saying. Trying. It's, the Ali Act too. When the Ali Act portion was more focused a bit on the financial protection for fighters, and that's where the the the, the most important thing was the private right of action which allows fighters to take a court into uh, different federal jurisdictions, you know, and it's, if it, they could, they go to federal court, they don't go to state courts because state courts are usually aligned with the promoters. Like you look at the UFC's contracts, which and that on NDA. a federal, yeah, well, not even that, but everything about their contracts are horrible. Uh, those wouldn't exist in boxing, you know, but they exist because uh, if you want to challenge them, you got to challenge them in Nevada. Well, Nevada law is kind of lousy things, which is and why even in areas where it doesn't, you're not going to those state judges have to get elected. And, you know, especially back in the Fertitas days, they like to throw a lot of money around when people get elected. So I love uh, uh, having conversations with people and they, they, they sing the praises of Dana White and all that he's done for MMA and I get to tell him, Dana White just speaks. The Fertitas grew this yeah. sport. Yeah, it was it was the really the Fertitas and Joe Silva who was the matchmaker. You know, he was actually with the UFC when they bought it. You know, and he was the sort of ball breaker on all the contracts and everything. Dana White, see, that's Dana likes to take credit when things are nice. And then when the other guys can't sell, he's like, well, it's, it's their fault. <laughs> so, Dana was a front man, essentially. Like, he was the focus for everyone to throw shit at. And he's, well, he's good at that point. Like, he's, he's, he's created a, 
following. That's essentially uh, like a Nigerian email scam, you know? <laughs> like you, you know, you see those scam emails and they're poorly written and everything. And so if you're smart, you know it's a scam. Well, that's what they want. They're, they're not trying to trick anyone that can catch on to the scam. They're trying to trick the dumb people. And if you look at Dana White, the way he talks and the way he just blatantly lies about stuff, you know, that's all he's trying to appeal to. Yeah, because, um, I mean, just this past weekend, he – Steven Espinoza was one of the people – I don't know that – he wasn't the first one, but he basically ret- or responded to someone. I think he was, actually. I, I think he's the first one to bring it up, but someone mentioned uh, something, and he quote tweeted and said that there was an N- – that they signed NDAs. Yeah, yeah, and that's how this whole thing started. Dana White came out, called him creepy, yeah. a weasel, blah blah blah. I mean, basically retweeting the same or repeating the same joke from three years ago that yeah, was did- mildly amusing back then. Um, yeah, repeats the same joke, and then Stephen came out and was like, "It's a non-disparagement agreement." Blah blah blah. Dana's like, "You know, you're a lawyer. You should know all this. Doesn't exist." Blah blah blah. And then lo and behold. We have the contracts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, then, and then it does someone, exist. Well, I only tried to do a, a slight bit of a puff piece, you know, saying, "Oh, it's slight. they're in there, but it's not so bad." And then other people started to get copies of the of the contracts because the the media was also supposed to sign that too. And like, you know? the crazy thing is that I understand. Like, okay, first of all, usually if anyone's going to report on like anything negative about the UFC. It usually is uh bloody elbow. And I think the other side is MMA fighting. Those are usually uh, the, the two yeah. websites that at least I see where they're willing to get in on the shit list of the USC. Yeah. Bloody elbow. Actually. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know. You can correct me, but John, no, Nash, no, you're, you're Jason right there. Cruz, I don't know about I MMA fighting i can't remember the other one but now it's sort of connected with uh you whatever usa today has okay so they're a bit more willing to uh mix it up but so usually it's only those two but this time like the athletic didn't doesn't cover the ufc's antitrust lawsuit they just don't they don't mention it they don't talk about it the other thing espn it doesn't exist to them but these guys have reported on the contract, and then so that would be bad enough normally. But then you have the New York Times, Bloomberg, these people coming, the OSHA the Forbes articles <laughs> coming out and saying, "Hey, this non-disclosure or is non-disparagement agreement is absurd." Yeah, uh, and like, well, this is where uh, uh, Dana White is trying to say Stephen Espinosa doesn't know what he's talking about, or Stephen Espinosa was a contract lawyer. So he knows exactly what the things say, you know, and it's it just because he knows how it's legally structured because that's the laws. Yeah, it says uh, the original, the first sentence of this, the paragraph in question uh, says, yes, if you uh, defame or disparage uh, the organization, you can't do that. Those are legal terms. But then right after they have a clause where they also said, if you make any comment at all, to the testing procedures, they will consider that defamation. <laughs> Even but so, they, they, technically, but, but, but a lot of people don't get it because they open up with this this legal law uh, out of the. I don't know, shit, I should have pulled it up in front of me. But it's just sort of like a legal speak that essentially says including, but not. Uh, see, because like I said, in a defamation has a legal. 
definition. So if you if you go to courts, they say, okay, it's already defamation. You don't have to prove what defamation is. But in the contract, the rest of that paragraph, UFC is essentially saying we consider this defamation too, like including like to go along with the original legal accepted legal terms. This contract says that if you make any comment at all on the testing resolution, they can uh, just take all your money. <laughs> you know, it, it was nuts because they also include affiliates. You know, the media. they also include family members. <laughs> no, but as, as like for the fighter, it, like someone from his camp, if someone from your camp said anything, they can hold you responsible. And this is what the UFC contracts have always been. They're extremely heavy handed. You know, and people go, oh, we don't know if legally it'll stand up. Well, no one can challenge him because no one has the money to go up against the UFC. Well, you know, it's crazy. If, let's say you went there, you find out you test positive, and then you give it to, you know, someone in your family. And your family member goes on Twitter and goes on a tirade about how it was fucking dumb that you uh, went to fight when you told them not to go fight. Then you come back and bring the virus and, and blah, blah, blah. So on and so forth. Yeah, they, they covered that there. So, like, yeah, they really so went over. You're screwed if that happens. You didn't do yeah, anything. Yeah. You went, you <laughs> fought. Maybe you got you got beat up, got knocked out by Nganu. Yeah, they'll take your money. <laughs> Someone says that the guy came out with COVID, too. Or they even says, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's ridiculous. It even says in there that if you go to the event, and they test you and you end up like and you test positive for COVID, which, you know, the vast majority of people will be asymptomatic. You know, they won't know they have it, you know, because that's what it is. It is for, for like the majority of people. They have no like they don't get sick. They're they're just carrying things just like, you know, having a cold that, that part because like you can have a cold virus, but you don't have a cold. You're just carrying it around. Same thing with COVID-19. So they have a clause there that if you show up. And they test you and you're positive for COVID-19. They don't have to pay any of your expenses that got you there. Which is a pretty scumbag move. I mean, you <laughs> brought them out. Scumbag. Yeah, exactly. It's a total scumbag move. Now, have, they got to put these events on because like Endeavor needs money bad, you know, because they have no cash flow. And they've got essentially uh, all totaled in all the obligations they have. They have almost $7 billion in debt. And okay. they've got to service that debt. You know? Isn't this kind of funny? Endeavor bought the UFC for, what was it, $4 billion? $4 billion. Way too $4 much. billion. Dollars. Yep, $4 billion. And then we know that there was going to be an IPO this year. We also heard the rumors repeated by one Mike Coppinger, who was apparently going to write an article about the details of the deal in which Endeavor would have acquired PBC. <laughs> Uh, that same company now, by the way, when I asked Tim Smith about it, he laughed at it, just laughed in my face. That same company now laid off a large portion of their workforce from all levels, from the agents down to people who probably clean, um, selling off their properties that are not the UFC, but I think, uh, their bull riding was going to get sold. The Bull Riding League, which will be back with crowds in like two months, apparently. Um, see, see how that goes. I guess nobody goes to those events anyway, so you can definitely oh, do no, it. Oh, no, no, PBR is huge. It's popular. a joke. It's a joke. Um, yeah. 
they never sold out 90,000 tickets at Wembley Stadium. I'll just leave it at that. It's 82. And uh, so, and now they're like really, they've really pushed the UFC into getting back and putting on an event. But, yeah, because it, it's the money. It, they need that cash flow. Oh, yeah. yeah I forgot like, to say the UFC's IPO completely business. fell apart. Yeah. The UFC's business, that's that's where their main uh, TV contract deal is with ESPN. If they give ESPN, you know, events, ESPN's got to pay them. So they need that money coming through. They need the cash flow. Because essentially, uh, I think I saw right up today, 70% of their cash flow is gone, you know, for Endeavor. And then they got to service a lot of things. They got to service the debt, but they got to keep the other things. Yeah, they're 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 kind of a mess. Like, and it's not UFC because you always get these guys on Twitter that try to go, "Well, UFC's fine." Yeah, it is, but they're owned by Endeavor. UFC's got to kick up now. You know, it's like the UFC is kind of solid in their finances, but all their free money goes up the chain. So that's the thing. Endeavor needs this money coming through. And so that's why the UFC is so diehard to put on these events. And, and you know, they don't need crowds because they don't pay their fucking guys anything anyway. So they're not really hurting. You know, I was wondering. I have an answer, too. So I'm not asking you a question. But you will want to respond to this. So mm-hmm. I was wondering, like, this is nuts what the UFC's done. The non-disparagement agreement is shameful. They probably rushed it clearly weren't following guidelines even they set out as we found evidence that their n95 masks were uh you know maybe not from china like, yeah you know the stuff that we actually would grade as n95 because that's a grading well, yeah they are, they're they're kn95 uh they're not 3m n95 so i mean who knows how the integrity of those masks but you know that let's just add that onto the list of of things and I'm thinking to myself, like, could boxing get away with this? And oh, no. I think absolutely not. How do I know? Because you have these boxing writers, Chris Mannix, Kevin Ioli, uh, not a writer, but a, a pundit, and Bernardo Osuna, the dude from ESPN Mexico, ESPN, who speaks English, I don't know what your name is. Um, <laughs> all these dudes coming out on Twitter in praise of the UFC. Absolutely ridiculous amount of praise. I, I would call it something else, but I don't want to say anything problematic here. But it it was it was something else. And I'm all fine with you being excited about the UFC event, but the juxtaposition between the way that they cover the sport of boxing and the way they talk about the UFC leads me to believe that these people would first of all shit all over it. Okay, but then, then that was my first reaction. And you, I'm sure you see completely where I'm coming from with that. But then I started to think about it. Okay, and I look at these articles about MTK. I look at the articles about Daniel Kinahan, who is supposedly no longer affiliated with MTK, no longer affiliated with the Kinahan cartel. And then you get this article about Bob Arum singing yeah. the praises of Kinahan, saying that Bob he's running MTK, saying that he's the facilitator of all things Middle East. And not a peep, not a peep from anybody about that. And I'm not trying to put any blame on Bob Arum. I'm not, you know, Bob can do what he likes. And Bob's a, a great businessman. And the dude has done everything in the sport of boxing. He's paved the way in some regards. 
So don't try to turn this into no PBC, Eddie Hearn, Matchroom, Bob Arum versus each other. No, no, it's none of that. It's the way the sport is covered and the the aloof nature of the writers who, for the most part, are curmudgeons on the way that they cover the sport, almost like they think it makes them cool to shit all over the sport in which they earn their living. But it's a completely different, completely different way that the, the UFC and this event has been covered that leads me to believe based off of the way they've responded to this, the way that they've responded to, to Bob Arum's uh, relationship with Daniel Kinahan, I think boxing just may be able to skate by the way it's done for years now, which is to say nothing's going to get called out. Will the, the 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 media will talk about the same things that they always talk about, the matchups, and that's it. I think I think Top Rank will get a pass. I think Matchroom will get a pass. I think PBC for the most part will get a pass. What do you think? Oh, well, there's a lot going on there. Well, here's a weird thing. Like, they're praising this UFC event so weird. Like, they love Dana White, which, okay, whatever. You know, but essentially, the guy came out, and they he was shown the lie about <laughs> these clauses. And they still go, oh, boxing, wake up. You know, take notice of this. Why? If, if, if a promoter was this brazen in boxing, they'd be shitting all over about him and saying... They tried to get Nevada to step in and suspend Tank Davis because of a <laughs> domestic violence incident. It has nothing to do with fucking Nevada, you know, with these same writers. <laughs> and Dana White, they're like, yeah, Dana, you go, boy. <laughs> I don't know, it's a bunch of bullshit. But then, yeah, the MTK thing is especially interesting because they used to be MGM, you know. Uh, associated with Macklin's arena and everything. And they that was started by uh, people who were like part of a drug cartel. And there's like, a, you know, people got killed in a weigh-in because of this fight that they have over this. And then uh, it was the Irish newspapers really started hammering them on this. And so MGM actually, they had a, they, they wouldn't talk to them anymore. They were they put a press ban on them because they said they were being unfairly smeared, except they were right. And then they came and changed their name to MTK and said, uh, oh, you know, the new CEO, they just called him up and said, do you want this boxing thing? And he said, yes. And and Daniel Kinahan is gone. He has nothing to do with it. And then Bob Arum comes out and says, oh, yeah, he, you know, he's, he's still the same. He's still running the thing. And they are like a major management company in boxing. Especially like from the UK. Yeah, I mean, the, their only rival in terms of sheer numbers is Heyman. Yeah, but then you go, you look at the way these guys have spent almost two decades talking about Al Heyman being shady, being terrible, when he's done nothing except represent his clients. And in the meantime, MTK is controlled by a guy who's hiding out in the Middle East because him and his dad, they might get killed if, if they stay in Ireland because they're running a drug. And it's not like an allegedly. The European uh, report on like the narcotics trade in Europe names them as like being part of the drug trade. 
you know, so it's, so it's not like it's a, oh, they're just rumors. Like it's been proven, you know, they know it. These guys are hiding out and they're, <laughs> they're running a management company of boxing for some of the biggest fighters around, like Tyson Fury's run by this. It's, 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 it's absolutely bizarre. You know, I've, and they won't touch this. They will not. No one. They will not touch this fucking story forever. These guys who will cry like they, you know, they're supposed to be writers. What journalist would want to expose that uh, actual the mobs back a form of the mob is back in boxing? Well, yeah. I I've been told stop tweeting about them. Who <laughs> by, by your pal Christian or what? No, no. No, um, no. You I've live been in told, America, baby. I've been told to stop tweeting about them because you know something bad could happen. And I'm like, first <laughs> of all, what? if I, I have very few followers on Twitter, <laughs> yeah. So if if they're trolling Twitter, tr- or actually, I think the word I'm gonna be looking for is trolling, trolling Twitter that hard, then I they, then they they did enough work to you know, yeah. You know, What's he going to do, fly to <laughs> Dubai? Um, I mean, I guess, you know, good good luck with the, with the virus uh, going around and just casually yeah. emigrating to the U.S. But, okay. Um, but, yeah, no, <laughs> no one's willing to touch that. And, but we keep hearing these same narratives being repeated. And it's kind of crazy, okay? Now, I, I think for the most part... I, I'm far more positive about Bob Arum than anybody. Uh, at least that appears in this podcast. And granted, we've we oh, so, I, I, we have a bit I of a reputation. Bob's, Bob's one of the best promoters, you know, in history. No, and and we've sung the praises of top ranks matchmaking. But I'm gonna goof on him because he makes it so easy because he's always full of shit, and that's you know, that's part of Bob's charm. Oh well, I mean, look, I, I think the reason why Bob doesn't like Dana is because he sees a lot of himself in Dana, with, with the exception of you know being like a super successful lawyer and you know uh, highly educated and all that stuff, um, and also decades of experience and making lots and lots of money uh, in the sport <laughs> and doing it himself and not being the lap boy of a bunch of billionaires. Yeah, yeah. Apart from all that <laughs> stuff. Apart from all that stuff. Um, Apart from all of that, and they've never met, which is weird. It, it's always been, uh, it's always been Dana White. Well, but that's part of. Well, if you want to, like, that's a whole other angle. It's a short one, though. But uh, well, I mean, go for it. I was so just basically basic, saying that that they're they're two peas in a pod. It, okay, so this is how it started. It started with uh, especially the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, it was Dana White. Uh, just attacking Bob Arum because then he's like, oh, we're not like scumbag boxing promoters. <laughs> it's like, you guys are worse. Yeah, I was about to say, you know? really? You're the main eventer on this very successful pay-per-view this past weekend. Uh, they're going to top out at half a million, 500,000. Uh, well, Leo Santa Cruz be... would not show up for 500,000 <laughs> to sign they autographs. Might get, they might get two or three million after bonuses and everything. But oh, that's wow. It. Gotta, he's not even getting depend. paid as much as Terrence Crawford on regular ESPN against Igis Kavalaskas, a guy with more consonants than vowels <laughs> in his name. Yeah, I know. It, it's, it's, uh, it's essentially a problem. Even their financials, fighters are getting less than uh, they're targeting now. But anyway, back to the story about 70%. Dana White. So so basically, no. So so Dana White just, just brought up Bob Arum because everyone sort of knows because, of, you know, Don King and everything. Oh, boxing's always had the smear. So, so that was their whole angle was that, oh, we're better than boxing. 
when they were in fact horrible, much, much, much horrible. But it's all the propaganda machine. You know, it was the whole Fertitta myth, the UFC myth that, oh, they're out there, they're doing better for the fighters and everything. It's all part of the bullshit. So Bob Arum was always the target, you know, and Bob Arum says he's never met Dana, you know, like, but this is what it's always been. And that's it. If you talk shit about, uh, if you talk shit about, oh, uh, theory. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I kick him on. It just didn't even touch it. It was just sitting there. Uh, if you if you talk shit about Bob Arum, well, of course he's gonna talk shit back. Bob loves talking shit about people. He's also older, where he just doesn't care what he says anymore. So like oh, yeah, he's, he's like Dana White, I think still is looking out for what he's saying, and Bob's just over here playing with fire. Yeah, yeah, it's like you know Bob's fucking eighty eight. He's checking out soon. He knows it. He <laughs> shit. He's still going to work. You gotta admire him on that. Uh, the moment he st- he retires is, is he'll die within a short amount of time like it's clear yeah. when you get older like you need something to keep you going and bob is still out there lively and kicking at fights yeah a lot of people get uh confused especially from my twitter like all love i love making fun of top rank and bob arum but i respect bob immensely like you know no he's he bob Ar- look but I'm Heyman, not gonna, like how can you not make fun of them because they're full of shit and they can't promote a lot of fights okay anymore. well back to that but yeah. <laughs> uh, but Dana White is very similar to Bob Arum, like, and I think that's why they they don't like each other is because they both they like you can't con a con, and they're both con artists. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that, dude. And so they're they recognize the game in each other, and I think Bob Arum may see a little bit of a th- feel a little bit of a threat from Dana White because somebody's like encroaching on on his ability to effectively play the media. And like Bob is a is is brilliant at playing the media. Don't yeah, and, and by the way, people, don't get upset about me saying this. Like this is an art you need here. Top and rank has a whole operation to to you know treat cert to get their message out. We've, top we've rank is that. putting out the worst fights right now. Let's be real. They're putting out the yeah. worst <laughs> fights. Now they have some like that's not like they like they're just terrible. They have some good fights, but for the most part, they in general put out when we put them all together, they put out the worst fights. But they get probably the most favorable coverage next next uh, matchroom and and just what they're all they're matchroom golden boy what they're doing over there they've had a very good year last twelve months but they don't seem to be as invincible to the criticism as top rank is and that's a testament to Bob yeah he's brilliant look at look at Coppinger like Coppinger. Writes an article every time Bob Arum just sends him a text, yeah. and Bob and and every time Coppinger's like Bob Arum just left uh, Tokyo where he <laughs> met with uh, uh, Mr. Honda, and then he made a stop at a at a voluntary uh, a voluntary uh, charity event in Kazakhstan before flying to the UK for Lomachenko's uh, fight with Luke Campbell. And then it'll be over to Los Angeles for Emmanuel Navarrete. And then uh, two days later, he has to go down to Mexico to me- meet with Mauricio Suleiman uh, to to work out Jose Ramirez's next ma- voluntary. And it's like, okay, relax. You're writing an article uh, uh, about Isaac Dogbay's comeback. Like, we don't need all this. <laughs> He's the U.S. Michael Benson. <laughs> uh, no, Mike, Mike, Mike works hard. Okay, people, like, don't get it twisted. Mike Coppinger works hard. You can see him at fights. That dude works. So 
You gotta. He only works as hard at uh, at fights that aren't mismatches. So remember. (laughs) Uh, No comment. No comment. Anyway, uh, so wait, so Bob Arum, so 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 Dana White was talking trash about Bob Arum, uh, and saying that the UFC was not crooks like boxing. Is is there any more to the story? I don't know. That's essentially. It's just funny how it's part of the myth that they created this idea that they, you know, Bob Arum was this scumbag promoter, and Bob Arum like pays his guys. I think it all averaged seventy percent, like across for all of them. That's what their average was from that uh, that that current UFC lawsuit. Funny enough, just so it's all the clear, seventy percent of out. revenue goes uh, to revenue, fighters. Revenue versus goes to what? The boxers, yeah. Versus uh, what? Like what's that? Versus what? Like, oh, put uh, like some I said, uh, here. UFC is between seventeen and nineteen percent. One seven. What's that? One seven. Yeah, one seven. Yeah, seventy percent of revenue. And one nine. Yeah, yeah. And seventeen Endeavor. and nineteen, like <laughs> like Endeavor Vito Milnicki's age. Yes. Yeah. That percent <laughs> of revenue goes to the fighters. And boxing is seventy seven zero. Uh yeah, for for uh, top rank, like uh, Bob Arum's age twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, and of course it could be higher, you know, but that was their average sort of between a lot of their fighters. Uh, and even for you know top rank, where they're taking off the top of fighters' purses. Um, and Top Rank isn't known for having the highest purses in boxing. That's still pretty wild. Now, question for uh, you? Yeah, like you, you, you couldn't get away with that in boxing. No, I mean yeah. you'd have no fighters. Yeah. Well, you'd have no fighters, but oh, the, the, no. If if you tried to pay a boxer uh, nothing, you know these writers would be all over it. But you know, for UFC, they're like, hey, good job. Would they? Job. Would they? Who? Who would write uh, an article about that? It certainly wouldn't be Chris Mannix. I bet if, if PBC dues, it came out that they were only getting 19% of the money that <laughs> was coming in. <laughs> They'd definitely be an article about it. Only one that's out here being fair in articles is Jake Donovan. But Jake Donovan, yeah. Well, he's our boy there. Um, All right. So was this before or after Bob Arum's comment about UFC fighters being skidheads and rolling around on the ground like homosexuals. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was. I think Bob said that back in 2009. It wasn't it hilarious that when he said that, um, he literally just described Ariel Helwani right in front of his face, and, and then Helwani's like, "I take offense to that." Well, he took offense to it because uh, Ariel's uh, Jewish, so he said that you know, compared him to a Nazi skinhead. Was but, kind of a... uh. Well, but I don't know. Bob, it, se- it seems so. like uh, Helwani took a-, a logical step there in order to uh, pin it onto himself. Well, that's what he does. Every every interview he does is about himself. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> everyone's taking shots today. Uh, no, I'm just I'm just speaking the truth here, and I'm asking questions. Well, so I, didn't, me, I didn't I'm make any assertion of Ariel Helwani yeah. being a skinhead. Like I don't think that's true. You know, uh, I, I, know, I give him respect. He stood up to Bob, like, right there. And Bob Bob was like, all right, well, you know, maybe not all of them, but 90% of them. Are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you notice he never uh, disputed the second part. So. What was the second part for those of us who were... Rolling uh, around and everything. 
that just goes to show you kids how how much has changed even in 10 years no you no no bull i i think bob aram would say the same thing yeah bob aram could maybe but you know in general you you can't can't get away saying guys are rolling around like a bunch of homosexuals no you you probably can't although although in 2015 uh, Brendan Rios thought it was okay to to you know use a bad word at Mike Coppinger. Unless you're that wasn't cool. Javon Bay Area. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the people still like to throw the old the homophobic words around when they're talking about him. We have far more listeners than actual real people who participate in boxing Twitter that would get that. So, I know. I'm uh, sorry. There's a lot. Of I'm just debating if we should explain this. I don't think we should. Uh, needless to say there's there's still homophobia on twitter um (laughs) but not like not like blatant hateful stuff but like just using insults from middle school that it's like come on it like there's better ways to do this in 2020 yeah Uh, like uh oh this more like police academy level homophobia not revenge of the nerds level uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but Sorry, that's a that's one for all you fans of the classics there i i <laughs> feel like I i'm, I'm speechless thing? because like i this is this is something we can have a debate on uh but probably not this podcast um seven hundred thousand buys not bad what do you think well, i think that number is nonsense but it's whhatever it doesn't matter well if it was seven hundred thousand, that'd be pretty good do you think how yeah well yeah it'd be pretty good yeah yeah but but not the whole this is the greatest you know pre-buy thing we ever saw <laughs> like they were saying it, it's not really oh my god people can't get enough they miss sports so bad no yeah. this this is a like it's not an anomaly number no like a, a a two million buy here would have been like outrageous. Like let's just say yeah, that that would have been people are they they need sports back. I I don't know. I definitely don't know the answer to this question, and I don't know if you do. But like what this matchup? What would it? What would the boxing equivalent have been? Because I know Ferguson uh, I was supposed when, to uh, fight Khabib, and Khabib is a good fighter, like the yeah. best pound for pound MMA <laughs> fighter. It's a difference, and uh, also really you popular. Wanted- do you want it in how the MMA people see it or how I see it? Uh, let's do both. Well, see, they saw it as like the matchup of the two best guys there. You know, for, oh, of course. Really? This this made-up interim fight. That, well, if you can't get Habib, well, now Justin Gaethje's on the come-up, you know, and everything. For me, uh, think more along the lines of uh, John Molina versus Omar Figueroa. <laughs> Okay. You know, a good entertaining fight. Sure. Um, pre-back those... injury uh, also. No, yeah, no, no. But, but... K- Khabib, <laughs> I, okay. So I don't know if this is but, but accurate. Correct me if I'm wrong. See, but... this whole thing with Tony Ferguson is that it's just that this is the fifth or sixth time they tried to make this fight between Habib and Tony Ferguson. Uh, uh, Tony Ferguson is going to get beat by Habib no matter what. You know? No, so, but Habib is is amazing as a UFC fighter. Like uh, that's the yeah. one of two guys I've ever looked at and I said, "Wow, that guy's good." Usually, I don't yeah. think that when I watch UFC because I don't know what I'm watching. <laughs> You're watching white collar boxing. <laughs> uh, don't read back my Twitter, please. <laughs> anyway, 
uh, you were talking about them making this fight five times. Uh, maybe yeah. Dana White's more like Bob Arum than we thought. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, like I said, it was they're all right fighters, but uh, I don't know. Well, like, what's the point of having MMA if there's no ground game anymore? Okay. First of all, I want to take credit for for spotting it this weekend, even though you're the one that pointed out pointed this out to me. But before we get there, um, so I just want to get like the context right. So, okay, Khabib is kind of like Canelo of MMA, or is that still uh, Connor? No, 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 it's not Connor. Yeah. So like, Khabib is the the best pound for pound fighter like I've ever seen in, in MMA. Like I even think he's better than like I didn't I didn't I, I saw like John Jones like the first John Jones fight I saw was against Daniel Cormier, um, so and John Jones is starting to slip. He's yeah, to... so uh, he he definitely came across as like really good in that fight, but yeah. um, th- this past few fights I, like I can see like he he does not look like the same guy. So Khabib is clearly to me the best I've ever seen with my eyes. I, I'm sorry I sound like Max Kellerman saying that, but like you know. Um, yeah, he knows how to roll much. guys up. Like he's sort of like uh, he he reminds me first... of Lomachenko. Yeah, 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 yeah. But in an MMA context, he's probably the first guy since uh, GSP that can just sort of demolish guys' uh, skills. One of sets. his fights. But anyway, yeah. so he's like pound for pound number one, and he's popular. But I don't think he's like the most popular guy in MMA. Uh, no, but he's pretty popular now so especially because he's muslim and he's got a big muslim following like in the middle east he's, he's really picked up pretty huge and everything so um, he, he's, he's 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 popular enough but like he's not gonna be is he like, like spence a, yeah i guess at that level but he's probably like he could sell a bit more pay-per-views than probably spence but well I, i'm just trying to like is he's not pacquiao he's not canelo he's not josh could he be joshua could it be Fury? Could could it be Wilder? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, along those lines, it's tough, you know, because that's the thing. He did that big one when he uh, beat up Connor, but then the next one was over in the Middle East. So we don't really know where his popularity is. He's he's a very popular fighter, though. Uh, it sounds like you're talking about Andy Ruiz then, if he would have beat yeah. Joshua. No, if Andy Ruiz was like against uh, women wearing like I don't know belly shirts or something. <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> Uh, so let's say that Khabib is kind of like I don't know some combination of what are Wilder. We even talking about now, I have no idea. So we're trying to see like what would be the boxing equivalent. So like seven hundred thousand would make sense. Like, wh- oh, I don't know. Seven hundred thousand is a pretty big fight. Yeah, it's if a it's a big could... fight. But like, it was this matchup wasn't Wilder versus Fury? I don't think this matchup uh, was uh, that with good. Tony Ferguson and Gaethje. Uh... That's what we're trying to come up with. Is like what is the the equivalent of this fight? Like. Like realistically, oh, from a selling point. Well, from what? Yeah. Well, uh, I don't. I don't want like your a, a your Pacquiao Thurman. Really? This was like a Pacquiao Thurman. Uh, Pacquiao Broner. How about that? Who's Broner? Uh, both of them. <laughs> well, who was Pacquiao in this situation? <laughs> well, Gagey, because he beat the living shit out of Ferguson's face. Well, who was more popular coming into the fight? Uh Ferguson. Okay. But so if you're comparing this, by the way, we are definitely going to get tweets and, and messages in the chat about this uh, this analogy here. But if Pacquiao and Broner would have done 700,000 buys, would that have been shocking? 
They wound up doing half a million. I don't think it would have been that shocking. But see, I'm not buying that 700 number either. Well, that's a whole other thing we'll get to. So just just putting that in context. We can get into that now. Although, wait, wait. I did interrupt you about something. Um, oh, the ground game. No, we'll get to that later. So yeah. why don't you believe the 700,000 number? Is it because you're a conspiracy theorist? Uh, yes. I knew it. <laughs> no, because it's here the thing. Uh, now everything's run through ESPN's app. Yes. You know, you work in the computer world. I do. If I mean, I, I, you, I know where you're going with this. Um, it's but. like you're going to know exact numbers. So when someone says, I have a source, the only sources left are either the UFC or ESPN. Correct. So when they throw out a number and they go, well, it's over 700, uh, why wouldn't they know? <laughs> no. So you know what's coming from them. They can't really say a specific number because, you know, you can't start feeding people because these like ESPN is a publicly traded company. It's part of Disney. They can't just have sources, you know. So these guys are throwing them sort of – it's not the real number. It's a sound good number. It probably came from uh, UFC, you know. Well, just, just to come up with some history here – the, this whole sources on pay-per-view number thing, this is such an antiquated thing. This comes from cable and satellite operators who they used to have to count, count all of these buys. And then they would, at some point down the line, they would get calls saying, how many you got? And they'll say, well, you know, it looks like it's this much. Yeah, they'd always have to model for what it came in because like... Uh, you guys get people say, well, I didn't get the service, so I want to charge back people who didn't pay their cable bills. So there's always del a delay. So when pay-per-view, when they gave a number, uh, it was always sort of, okay, this is what the model tells us what the final number is going to be. Sort right. Of thing. It was and like Nielsen. Like, okay, yeah, Monday, uh, it'd be like one of the, I think it was like, it's, it's sort of like Dish, uh, DirecTV, then the cable operators and then somebody else, you know, but they used to publish those in the papers in the nineties, the actual breakdowns, they would see dish network had this many direct TV had this many. So all these guys would start saying, well, I got sources and then they never give you a breakdown. It's like, well, you're just making shit up. You know, you might know, maybe you could know guy, one company. Yeah. Know, and that one company day, you're comparing but, it. But then after that, it's just like, oh, they're just using Google estimates. <laughs> so yeah. That's, you know, that's I mean, do it. So the, the funny thing this, is, yeah. So they're still trying this thing because they know people are so ingrained, used to the estimations, you know, that they could throw this. Oh, it looks like it's doing over seven hundred. Well, ESPN knows, you know, the executives at ESPN knows exactly how many people bought it to like to to the individual, and then they'll even know. Okay, maybe some people are trying to dispute, whatever. It doesn't matter, but they know the direct number. Yeah, because they have. They know how many times someone hit buy now and a charge ran yeah. and they sent the confirmation email. They the know how many times that, that happens. Computers keep yeah. track of everything. Exactly. It's like, oh, computer says it might be four, might be five. Oh, nothing the computer would work if that was the case. You know, it's a specific science. So the only numbers that are trailing would be Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Those are the only places that are still operating under the old model. You know? But but even then, it's not the old, old model where they have to manually count and it took months to get the number. They're still doing doing it electronically. 
Yeah, yeah, it did improve, but but I'm saying those are the people under the old sort of system where you got to rely on your cable company partners to sort of give you the good number, tabulate it, and sometimes you know, sometimes some guys are dragging ass and everything. But yeah, it, it, for ESPN reporting, it's not going to be a, oh maybe it's this, maybe it's that. It's like if it's if it's if you got a real source, just they know a real number. Well, know? and so, the only so place you can have a source from, is ESPN. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, so, so you know, it's the main companies, either UFC or ESPN. You know, so to stop with this, you know, I've got someone on the inside. Who's the one who uh, reported the the numbers? Uh, the dude from Sports Business Journal. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, John Oren. So that's it. So, so they so they throw him. John Oren does have sources at ESPN. So you know, I, yeah, yeah, I would say that this have, is the likelihood of this being true is pretty is a lot higher than Meltzer. Yeah, but he he doesn't have he doesn't have sources in ESPN's data center. Well, <laughs> you know? he does with their PR. Yeah, exactly. It's the PR people. So it yes. it'll be interesting to see because Orand is not somebody that they're they're going to dick around. You know, this isn't Chris Mannix. Um, no, no, no. Like I said, the, the, like exactly, his sources are probably the company itself. But it's not like a source that he has someone that they want the number out there. They want this number out there. You know. Why the, the like I said, my point is that this this oh it's over seven hundred thing. It, it, fuck off! It's, it's you know why they're still playing they're playing a game. You know it's like don't give me this over seven hundred number. Well, the other thing is that ESPN, um, the Disney company in general, ESPN they are not shy about bragging. You know, we saw Disney Plus numbers immediately. Within yeah. four days or whatever it was, they released how many Disney Plus subscribers they had. They just recently, at you know, it's upfront season for TVs. Advertisers or uh, the networks are all selling the 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 fall slate to advertisers, and so we have concrete numbers on a lot of things like Disney Plus, ESPN Plus subscribers, Hulu subscribers. Um, Disney releases all that stuff, and if you look at ESPN's press releases. You can see they they frequently, whenever their numbers are good, they will release them. When they had a million ESPN Plus subscribers, there was a press release. What like when they pass certain milestones, they will release a press release. Okay, yeah, so because, if well, these numbers are that great, we'll get a press release. Yeah, that's that's why I'm saying that's that's why it's kind of a joke. Uh, everyone does this, like you see, especially like in the financial guys will say, well. I'm hearing this number. You're not hearing fuck all. You know, they're modeling based off what the company tells them and they're sort of trying to average something in there. Because you they can't tell a reporter an actual number because that, that's sort of like inside information. There's laws against that. You know, so so it's, it's just like stop at the point. You know, it, it could be, it could be so hard, but don't give me this. It's over 700. If, if you give me, if you give me a straight number, you know, then I know you got an actual number. Otherwise, you're getting a press release number. So it's just like I, I'm, I'm not buying it. I'm not. I'm not going to start going back and forth over make believe. Well, I, I mean? and I don't know why they if if they were so good. Why didn't why wouldn't they just release them themselves? Uh, they because no one likes to release numbers anymore. It, it's, it's like I said in the '90s. You could you could see them. They would break them open in the '80s. They would they would get specific numbers. You know, back when they had a closed circuit was still a thing. They would give you the closed circuit gross, you know. Now they do because closed circuit doesn't really matter as much anymore. 
but they do somewhere in the mid to late 90s everyone started guarding this information and i don't know why it's just it's just a weird thing because because floyd asked to see the numbers and they're like "Uh oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. somebody's putting well, two and two together it. here yeah maybe that's it i don't know it's a it's a weird thing because i don't know why they just don't tell them because it, it doesn't really affect them you know I, I don't know it's just a weird thing um i guess we could talk about the the disappearing briefly about the ground game something that you mentioned to me a long time ago was that the UFC was, I don't know how you phrase it, but basically you said to me that like people like are they don't have a ground game anymore. It's t- turning into just bad boxing uh, with some kicking. And like I- I've watched some UFC over the past year, and like I still see people like get on the ground. But like th- this past weekend, I mean, I didn't see any ground stuff happen where it wasn't some guy got knocked down and then the guy was on- jumped on top of him. But like nobody actually took someone down and then wrestled them i saw maybe two attempts and that was it uh yeah and for years they said uh well it's because everyone's really good at takedown defense and everyone's really good at the ground game and then habib comes along and he shows uh no they aren't because <laughs> that's what he does he just he just wrestle fucks these dudes you know like he gets them down he passes their guard and he he, he brutalizes them that's the weird thing like the ground game it's sort of like uh, no one's innovating, even though like, the, the phrase is, oh, MMA is always changing. It's always changing. But there, it's not. Like, you could, like the original MMA dudes, uh, not like the, the, the first group where, you know, you got Dan Severn and his wrestling unitard there. But, uh, no, he wore shorts. That's right. He wore just wrestling shorts. But uh, sort of in the late 90s, uh, 2000s, I guess. 2000, but you're starting to see a lot of guys who are really innovating a lot of the takedown games. They'd be able to pass. They would do things. You know, they were trying. Now it's kind of, if I can't get this, I'm not going to try that much. <laughs> you know, and essentially they get stand up and it's just, like I said, it's a lot of bad boxing. You know, and that's sort of what they want because they even sort of started to enforce guys uh, getting up off the ground to go back to standing, which is weird because the sport's supposed to be about mixed martial arts the ground game is supposed to be an integral thing but then they came out well there's not enough action so that's you know the ufc sort of signaled people just want to see like world star boxing yeah well it's yeah it's a it's a far more violent brand of boxing that loses all of the the quote-unquote art and science of it yeah and yeah. there's just pros to it i think that that is ultimately you know if people want a rocky movie yeah and and like and you get that a lot because yeah. they all they, they they carry their chins high, you know, like the dude that fought Nagano, you know. Oh, uh, that that I mean that was probably very 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 bad. Um, just not good <laughs> watching it. Like the the dudes. First of all, it was it was so quick, but like both guys were just flailing at each other. Yeah. <laughs> and then the dude gets caught and it's over. Yeah. But you know, look. I'm not going to say anything bad about it. Uh, um, do I? It's just it's just homogenized, you know. And I and I think also those um uh, the bonuses for the knockout bonuses. I think that they have certainly yeah, probably yeah, incentivized a, a particular style of fighting. Well, that's why they started <laughs> they started getting bonuses because they they took all the rest of their money away from them. So they're like, oh yeah, there's fifty grand for you. 
We're no longer paying yeah. 19%. We're paying 17%. So <laughs> you guys are going to have to knock each other out for your for that uh, oh, for that man. 1% we took away from you. It's getting closer to rough and rowdy than uh, it is to <laughs> go in the other way, you know. Um, so, so what I'm saying is they need midgets. They, they need midgets to come in and save the USC for me. Like WWF in 1998? Yes. <laughs> the last rough and rowdy of the... Uh, who are Wait, I don't know what rough and rowdy sports. is you're talking about. Is this a real thing? Yeah, yeah. It's the, the guys from Barstool, they bought up this... Uh, it's like an amateur boxing thing. They fight uh, three two-minute rounds, and it's just a bunch of guys punching each other until they get tired, which usually takes about 10 seconds. <laughs> they, well, yes. Anybody so whose box you know, knows that it's all just they just run and they just they usually just get everyone drunk in the crowd and then they they put it on pay per view. Wait, the crowd? Well, no, no, no. The, like, but said the crowd there. It's all about a drinking thing, you know. Oh, bars to guys. No, no, no. So but this drunk, is a great idea we, we have here. Yeah, but but see, like uh, the last one, uh, the fights are really getting bad because it's just even the even like the jabronis are like terrible. And so it was saved by the midget fights. It was actually these two little midget dudes there. The one guy was like, oh, you know, he's pretty good. The other guy was pretty old. I think he's like in his 40s, you know, which is like, you know. What if we like did that, years. though? If we could like get, say, a $100,000 loan and then we had an event and basically, you know, we made alcohol very cheap and then we had like maybe once or two scheduled fights, but then the rest of the fights were people that we picked from the audience. And then it's been like, all right, this is $10,000 on the line. You have to pass a sobriety test. So like if you were sober, you, you couldn't, you weren't allowed to fight. And then we just let dudes in the crowd fight. Well, that's essentially rough and rowdy. Yeah. That's what's going on there. But, but you said it wasn't the crowd fighting. Well, uh, it, it's no, they're, they're trying to, <laughs> I think they're trying to be a bit more professional, and it's actually led to worse fights. So, oh well, I mean, I'm well, not... just I'm, all the only thing I really want to make is that the midgets saved it. So I'm starting to think UFC needs midgets. <laughs> well, look, if that seven hundred thousand number is anywhere close to being accurate, uh, they, they did pretty good for themselves with oh, what yeah, was UFC, ultimately UFC a... always does good. Yeah, but I'm just saying that, you know, like uh, this event, like a lot of these guys, you could see they weren't really well trained, you know. A lot of them were gassing. A lot of them were like looked out of it, you know, slow and everything. Well, two of the dudes came are coming off two year layoffs. One from injury, the other from the uh, pet suspension. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay. Um, like I said again, like if go back to the original premise. If that happened in boxing, uh, these same writers would be shitting all over it. They they do it now. They shit all over great fights. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, like um, you brought up Figueroa and Molina. Yeah, like that was entertaining. It's but... it's not like it's 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 not Lomachenko fighting Haney. Okay, that's a that's a great fight in two highly skilled opponents. Um, that's not Figueroa. That's not Molina. But that's also just you're never going to get that with those guys. But that like boxing, it seems like people in boxing lose sight of the fact that. Um, they're all different types of matchups, and they go in certain places. And like a, a Figaro Molina, like they didn't put it as a headliner. That was a co-main event on a car. That's a perfectly acceptable co-main event. But you know, there's some unreachable standard uh, amongst boxing fans and writers alike that is hard to reach. 
simply because you'll run out. And the one thing is like at 154, that's happened. Everybody at 154 has fought each other basically. And people still complain that guys aren't fighting and that they need a tournament, even though most of the guys at 154 have fought, even if they're separated by one degree. You know, most of the, actually, I think everybody at 154 is separated by like one degree. You know, Jamel Charlo hasn't fought um, Jason Rosario, but he has fought Jorge Coda, who fought Rosario. You know, yeah. he hasn't fought Heard. But he slept Lewin. He did sleep Lewin. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, so all signs indicate that at least with boxing, we'll be back probably June. Um, we've heard all the stuff about Ryan Garcia fighting July 4th. What do you think about that idea of fighting July 4th? I have some strong feelings about it. Oh yeah. You probably have, I have no feelings on, I don't know. Oh yeah. You're so, Canadian. You don't, you don't respect well, I know it's, I know the, it's, I know it's the, 4th the holiday of July. Of 4th of July which you know I know it's, it's the day that you know was Trump born 4th of July uh no 4th of July oh, was he just the calculates. day um in the sandlot when they played baseball at night oh that's why we celebrate yeah, well, it's, a, it's a Saturday so yeah why not 4th of July you know America big weekend well because everybody's outside that's why it's like yeah but they'll be outside of uh, Ryan Garcia's fight no, because he's going to be fighting indoor in front of nobody. Are, but are they going to have an audience, though? No, they're no, no. But I mean, but are they going to have an audience either way? Um, no. That's the other thing. Like, who's going to go to this fight? Yeah, but I'm saying, are they going to let people go to it by July? No. So then, yeah, who cares? Let them fight. No, the point is nobody's going to be watching on TV because people spend the evening barbecuing and being outside watching fireworks, lighting fireworks. He's on the zone. No one's watching anyway. <laughs> I mean, sure. If you want to if you want to go go there, fine. You didn't have to. You didn't have to be, you know, mean, but I don't think hey, that No, but see, remember the zone, it's saved there for whenever you want to watch it. Remember? I, I do That's remember. That's selling point. Okay. He's going to fight somebody who's very, very beatable. Okay. Jay Brony? Yes. Mason Menard, somebody like that. Okay. He's going to fight a guy who he's going to beat. Very likely stop him. Okay. You're outside lighting your fireworks. And then. And then you hear the rumblings. Then you Ryan see on Garcia Twitter. Unloading his fireworks in the ring. Yeah. You see on Twitter the clip of the knockout. Or the stoppage, whatever. And then you go, I got to go to the zone and see it. No, then you don't. You just say, like, I saw it. Good. I'm moving on with my day. I'm going to go back to drinking no, outside with my friends or my family, well, whatever. Can you see the clip or is the zone going to, like, uh, you, do copyright takedowns? They, they could do it, but they won't. They, I mean, look, <laughs> on fight night, it's going to be hard to stop all those clips that come out. Um, you know, they're everywhere. So <laughs> if people see the, the quick little stoppage, they see the clip on Twitter. They have no incentive to go back inside and, and watch the fight over. Nobody's mm -hmm. watching. Hardcores do, baby. Like, July 5th, Sunday. That's actually a good, like, why not try, like, what what is going to be your competition? You're not going to have a damn holiday. Everybody's going to be at home hungover. He's going to prove you wrong, man. Um, Probably right. not. 
If there's one thing that I know about young girls is that they hate going out in summer on the weekends. <laughs> the vast majority of the people who subscribe to the service in which Ryan Garcia fights on are males. The girls oh, really? who you're talking about that may be fans of Ryan Garcia, I'm pretty sure that they're going to watch the clip on Instagram. But that's just, you know, me spitballing here. I, I could know. be wrong. I'm probably not wrong. No, but I, I just I just hate the idea of putting a fight on 4th of July. Like, fucking think about it, people. PBC tried to do a sort of 4th of July-themed card with our boy Jamel Herring in the headliner. He famously lost to Dennis Shafikov, was stopped in that fight, um, which was very, to me, very traumatic because I'm watching Dennis uh, uh, Jamel Herring, Marine, I have pride. I really wanted to see him do well. I support the troops. Um, and I like, you know, I, I loved the whole, you know, it's 4th of July weekend. This guy fought for his country, blah, blah, blah. And then he lost. I was like, wow. And then the TV ratings came in. They were bad. Nobody watched it. And since that day, I'm like, 4th of July weekend, like, just is not, it ain't it. Just not it for boxing. Um, there's just too much, just even, even, um, in TV, like everyone knows, like the, 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 the homes, the, the number of homes with their TVs on is significantly lower in the summer because it's warmer and people want to be outside, especially for, you know, somebody like you who lives in a area with a cold climate, like, you know, you got to take advantage of good days. I don't have that problem, but people like you. People who live on the East Coast and stuff, they do have that problem. Yeah. So I, I'm not a big fan of the 4th of July. But I, I would be willing to to uh, hear out this Sunday. Having a card on a Sunday, like what else is, do they have to compete with on a Sunday? Is is CBS going to air uh, The Last Crusade? <laughs> if, if you don't get the reference, like CBS is just basically airing old Paramount movies. And they showed like Raiders of the Last Ark a few weeks ago. Nice. Great movie if you've never seen it. Oh, of course. Uh, Oscar probably just wants an excuse to get out of the house on Saturday night. I mean, the 35er is not open, so yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But like, if if they're they're shooting in, a, in, in an empty arena, or well, I don't know where they're going to shoot actually because they don't have any connection to any like TV studios or production facilities or whatever. But um, like the vendors aren't going to be there selling alcohol. There's no, there's gonna be nobody selling anything in the bathroom. So, well, yeah, it would make more sense. And even people say, I think Top Rank is probably gonna do a lot of weekday shows or something. Isn't that what their plan is? That's what, like, he, there's a quote about something. I, I've forgotten the direct quote, but it's like, I got the, the sense that they were thinking of doing like three or four weeks shows a week, which is wild. Which, which yeah. lets you know that the matchups are not gonna be good. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of night night. It's like, okay, for hardcore boxing fans, now we love boxing, okay? Fred, I don't know about you, but for the rest of us, we love boxing. But like, if you're watching four days a week of, of like boxing and the matchups aren't good, this is going to get old real quick because like, I mean, we've had weekends where it was like everyone put a card on, so there's four cards to watch and it's just like, my God, I just spent like 16 hours straight catching up on everything. 
Um, I think they're just yeah they're just trying to get up to their contract uh, minimums so then they I mean, can get all their would, money. That would be so brilliant. I would love it if they just like oh we have to fulfill fifty four. 54 dates this year well terrence crawford you're going to be fighting the 116th ranked welterweight and i i will love that i will love if they're just like espa you're going to pay us and you didn't ever specify level of opposition isn't that who they got lined up for him anyway well (laughs) i don't know I, i i haven't done a sources tweet have i yeah. No. The only opponent that I that I know of for coming back is um, Ryan Garcia's Mason Menard. Just kidding, but I, but but like that's legitimately <laughs> Mason Are Menard. Are they saying Lenares? No, no, no. Lenares can't come into the country for obvious reasons. Oh, criminal background. Uh, yeah. They found out that when Edwin Valero crashed his motorcycle, um, <laughs> Jorge Lenares threw a banana peel in the road. Just kidding. He was high. That's why he crashed. Oh, this got dark. How do I get us back on course here? No, I don't know who Ryan Garcia is going to fight, but I know that Jorge Linares, uh, I feel bad for Ryan Garcia because they were like, you know, real, they told him like, hey, you're going to fight at the Staples Center. It's going to be big. You're going to be the main event. And then they found out like, oh, whoops. Actually, we told you that. It was just what we thought. Sorry that you made an Instagram post about it. We actually never even inquired with the Staples Center about having a, an event. And that date we told you, yeah, it can't happen because, you know, they're uh, it's tied up. And then so Ryan Garcia is like, you guys better make this right. And so they said, okay, we will. You're just going to fight a lot later. And then uh, he was all happy about that. And we thought we were going to get the Lenaris fight. And then they're like, just kidding. Uh, There's a virus. So you're not fighting there anymore. You're not fighting probably, period. And then... They're like, actually, we take that back. You are going to fight. You're going to fight in front of nobody. And uh, you're going to fight against Jorge Linares. And then the next day, they're like, actually, Linares can't fight because he can't come into the country. So you fight, you're fight. you fighting nobody right now. Great sequence of events there. Now, that that's certainly how you treat you know the, the future number one draw in boxing, maybe, if he's any good. Which I yeah, think I don't think, I think he's he is. good, though. I think he is. I I think he's going to get his head kicked in some eventually. Well, I mean, if he's fighting Conor McGregor, sure, but I really don't see Devin Haney kicking him. Mm, I don't know. Why don't you what what is it about Ryan Garcia that that you you're not sold on? I don't think he's a very good fighter. What would lead you to believe that he knocks dudes out in the first round like come on. Yeah, yeah, he knocks dudes out cuz <laughs> When you match him up with guys that he can knock out in the first round, he's going to knock him out in the first round. Can you I know. can I go with the old? Uh, but Tank couldn't knock that guy out in the first round three years when ago. Tank, yeah, three years ago, exactly. Yeah, Th- that's my favorite. When when someone says, "Yeah, but but this guy did it that's in this the, amount of time," and it's like, "That's, that's the, two losses ago." That's the top rank special. But it's have brilliant. Fight, have the guy fight. You know. Like just like you know, with Manny fighting all of the dudes Floyd and fought, and now they're kind of if they do uh, Crawford versus Brooke, you know, and they're trying to do it again with Spence and everything. See, but that that's brilliant matchmaking because it's like it's matchmaking to win an argument. It's not really matchmaking to to benefit the fighter because like you know, say say a guy like Mason Menard, who I, I believe Teofimo Lopez like just destroyed i think also program might have destroyed him i don't know ray beltron no no it was beltron beltron just really just 
executed him in the ring. Um, it it, uh, it it makes sense though. Like th- that's the argument boxing fans have all the time. Oh, Joshua, you know he stopped Brazil and blah blah blah. You know that that that's just a total casual online debate that people have matching resumes. So I was just looking up. <laughs> so you 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 were looking it up because you were about to do it, and now that I've called people out, called <laughs> no, out people who did that, you're up, like, oh, uh, I guess I'm not going to do that. I was looking up Mason Menard's uh, record here. Oh, uh, any any highlights you want to share with us? Uh, his last fight was against Travis Hartman with a 16-27-1 record. <laughs> Sounds like a Tevin Farmer opponent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, okay, so there's a point right there. Uh, oh, yeah, Haney fought him. He lost for Raimondo Beltran. Okay, can I just say that the people who are most screwed are are guys like Tevin Farmer who don't have any, like, I, I would assume, first of all, you have to have your event televised. If your event's not televised, then there's no point of even putting on an event. Oh, you're done. Yeah, yeah. Because all the money's got to come from TV, you know. Yeah, yeah well, because there's no gate. But the guys who aren't signed with anybody but are still popular enough, like you're at a severe disadvantage. When they talk about like purses are going to be lower, which I think is complete bull, um, it's oh, guys that, like Tevin Farmer Bob. whose purses will, will be super low because like you have yeah. no leverage. You want to be yeah. on TV? Bob was the one talking about purses are lower, and then he's also, oh, pay-per-view should be 40 bucks. Yeah, that's because no one's buying your pay-per-views. Like, Do you think he was subtweeting uh, Terrence Crawford when he said that? <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> he just sent him a clip to his manager. Bomac? Yeah, Bomac. Bomac, you want those, <laughs> you know, if you want to do commentating again, <laughs> we're going to be cutting this, you know, contract down. A no, bit. actually, Bomac very likely is going to do commentary because they're going to be like, hey, no, man. but that's what I'm saying. If he wants to do, if he wants, <laughs> if he wants to do commentary, you know, Bud's taking a hit. No, they're like, hey, that's one. That's like one less test that we have to do for somebody. If you're going to be the trainer and do commentary, you do, you oh, do double right. duty. Yeah, we'll save you money. That's true. No, uh, back to Ryan Garcia. I I don't. Okay, I don't think he has good footwork. Okay, you know, would you he have has Manuel fast Stewart? hands. He has fast hands. The fastest, actually. Didn't you see that Bleacher Report clip? <laughs> yeah. No, I saw I saw the Jamel Charles clip about guys throwing. Yes, Jamal. No, uh, it was thinking of Jamal. But go on. Yeah, you know the only guy who wanted doing that was Floyd. So, uh, I think okay, he might have improved under the Renosos. Ooh, I want to talk about them. You know, I, I think they have done a a good job with him. But I am not sold on him being this monster. They're trying to. I think if you put him in with Tank and you keep Tank off the spider, you know, it's uh, <laughs> Tank will probably take his head off. <laughs> okay. Um, about the Reynosos. Yeah. All right. We've been down this road before where a trainer has an elite fighter. And naturally... You add a bunch of fighters because if you're very good as a trainer, well, then your services will be sought out. Yeah. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Well, this happened with Freddie Roach. What happened with Freddie Roach? Everyone wound up losing. Freddie Roach got spread very thin. Turns out he, you know, nobody was really getting great work from Freddie. Um, probably through no fault of Freddie. I mean, Freddie's just trying to make a living here. But 
it wound up having like backfiring. You, you remember that span of like, it was like a 12 month span where Freddie Roach basically had like everyone that was training with Freddie Roach lost. You think? Oh yeah. And then uh, they started leaving and Lance Pugmire wrote an article like Freddie died or something. Yeah. And so he be fucking back and he is, you know, Manny comes back and he's, he's hot shit again. You know. But do you think that Reynoso could be setting himself up for one of those situations where he's now got Canelo, he has Luis Neri, He's got Ryan Garcia. He's got Andy Ruiz. I'm sure he may have some like little smaller, lower level guys that he's also training. Do you think that he's running the risk of potentially all of this coming down crashing? Mm, no, because it's not just the one Reynoso way. They, they they're already dividing duties up. You know, it does it's, you got the father and the one main son there, and the other sons kicking in too. So. Yeah, so that that was kind of what I was thinking because I was thinking like, what are the differences here? And there is it is a duo, and um, you know, I I think you could make the argument that this will wind up backfiring, and I think you could make a very strong one. Yeah, but I don't think they have a lot of fighters though, do they? Uh, that I don't know. Like Robert Garcia, he's dude with a lot of fighters. That's he's what I was gonna say though. But Robert Garcia has his dad, who still like kind of like acts as the the the, the elder advisor and yeah. and is is there i think maybe taking some of the intellectual uh load off of robert garcia by saying like hey look this is what i see blah 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 we should implement this and robert garcia can you know tweak that how he wants but ultimately if his dad is doing some of that work it really helps him out but you know, I, I think it's something worth worth looking into. And if I was uh, one of the Reynosos, I would be cognizant of that because you know you you have a pretty special group of fighters. I mean, nobody has a better stable right now than having Canelo, Luis Neri, Andy Ruiz, and um, Ryan Garcia. I mean, you, you have all you you have a fighter basically at every different level. You know, you have the guy who's looking to make the comeback who is a big name and Andy Ruiz certainly is a big name after what he did to Anthony Joshua. You have the yeah. guy on the rise. You have the, the, the young champion who has looked dominant thus far in his career in Luis Neri. And then you have the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. It's a hell of a stable. Yeah. But it, it's, it, yeah. Like I said, there's always the threat, but I don't think like, I think when you think of these other guys, like like Freddie Roach, it's not just the the world class fighters that he was in charge of. He's in charge of the undercard dudes, you know. Like he's like he would like he was spread thin, you know. Like guys couldn't even get time with Freddie, you know. And that like again, that's not Freddie's fault. If he he's got to go to a fight, he's got to go to a fight, you know. And I think a lot of guys were sort of thinking that he, they were going to be, you know, get this special attention. Some fighters need special attention, some don't. You know, it's all. I, I don't think. I don't think they're spread too thin yet. I think, like, especially with a guy like Ryan Garcia, I think. Uh, oh, isn't Oscar Valdez him. with them too? I think Oscar Valdez is with them too. Five. Change your mind? No, no. I think when you're starting to get over a dozen. <laughs> well, then you're in trouble. If they have like smaller ones that we're not thinking of right now. Yeah, but um, I mean, like with the big guys, the smaller guys are usually a bit more easier to manage because you know they're a bit more. They're not so demanding. It depends. It depends on the coach. Some guys can manage it. Some guys can't. You know, it all depends what they got going on. Uh, like I said, again, with people, the trainers, it, it's really tough to know what's a trainer, what's the fighter. Trainer can only do so much. And really, I, I don't think anyone's that great of a trainer. Like, I don't think anyone is on the level of a guy like Eddie Futch. 
Okay, yeah. Freddie. Not even well. Freddie's nowhere near Eddie Futch. No, but Freddie always sings Eddie Futch's praises. Yeah, uh, as well he should, because because Eddie Futch is a guy who could take someone, and he could beat a champion fighter with him, because Eddie could train a guy specifically how to beat a fighter, and you don't see a lot of that. You know, you see guys who have they have got a skilled guy, and he might go up against him and anything, but they they can't like I the, Eddie Futch knew how to train dudes like. It, you know, uh, what's his name? Was it Ken Norton? Fought Ali? Yes. Yeah. Like, he, like he, <laughs> Ken Norton beat the hell out of Ali. You know, Joe Frazier. You know, Eddie Futch knew what would work in there. And you could see guys like, uh, well, even the dude that uh, when Roy Jones got disqualified. That was an Eddie Futch game plan. <laughs> to to get... Jim Lampley to get uh, Roy frustrated. But Jim Lampley always said, denied that. But who knows more about boxing? You think Eddie Futch or Jim Lampley? I would say Jim Lampley. Like, he's probably, <laughs> yeah, he would, he's probably, he's covered for sure, um, commentated over more fights than Eddie Futch has. So I'm going to go with Jim Lampley. No, also, so, Jim but, Lampley but, has been in one fight that I know of, and he won. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the cops called on him, but he won. No, he lost. He took an L. <laughs> Uh no, um, he he got the TKO. <laughs> That's just uh no, but so, so you never know. But I'm saying, yeah, you know, I don't know what I'm saying at this point. I don't think Renosos are spread thin by taking on Ryan Garcia. Um, I'm trying to think, I think we've about covered everything. Um, but it was good to get back. In the podcast uh, last week, we had a fun episode. I don't, I don't know if you you probably didn't listen. I don't know. I, I don't know how people listen to podcasts without commutes. Um, when I'm sitting at home, like I just don't want to listen to a podcast. I've tried to listen to podcasts while I work, and it's really hard for me to focus. Um, uh, yeah, I can do it with first take, but I can't do it with any other podcast. Like I it's really tough. struggle. I appreciate anyone that can listen to us, especially <laughs> especially me, because you know. The fuck! If you don't give, if he doesn't give me a breakdown. I'm all over the place. I'm not on the own half ass with a breakdown. So, uh, well, I mean, if if never mind. Um, but yeah, I I don't know how people. I don't. Maybe I maybe my job requires me to do a little more thinking and talking to myself, where I can't listen to somebody else talking. Um, but I think what I've been our really issue slacking. Is- we have we we can't spend so much time going over Mark Wahlberg's film career before we do the podcast. Uh, well, first of all, we didn't Mark Wahlberg's film career. Hot take here. Um, we didn't care about it. No, it's not a hot yeah. take. We just weren't talking about Mark Wahlberg's. Yeah, um, it's not his career. We're, we're talking, talking about, about one career. film. One film with Reese Witherspoon and Alyssa Milano. So you guys should go check it out because you know they're both young back then. So for some context, okay, there's this guy on Twitter that persistently follows me around and, and tweets at me, like in threads that I'm replying to somebody else, like you know, so I'm like creepy, so or not? Now I'm not creepy, but he, this is creepy. So I was telling Fred about it, and uh, I said, <laughs> uh, I said um, he's reminding me of Josh Hartnett in Fear, and then something didn't sit right with that, so I looked it up. Uh, and it turns out it wasn't Josh Hartnett. This is probably before his time. It was Mark Wahlberg. So then I decided to read the synopsis of Fear on IMDb, which I don't recommend you do. Well, no, no, no. I recommend you read it. 
and then go to Rick- Wikipedia. And Wikipedia has the better one. Uh, yeah, they, they, they just just see like IMDb gave you the 30 second, 40 second, I don't know, the 60 second trailer that they were able to air on network TV. Wikipedia yeah. is like, we're going to tell you what actually happened in this movie. And like, um, they give you the down and dirty in Wikipedia. It's so read fear 1996, read the synopsis on IMDb first, and then go over to, to, uh, what is this website called? Wikipedia. Oh yeah, boy. Wikipedia. It, 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 it's, it's something else. And uh, I, I remember this movie for like, I, I, so 1996, I was like nine years old, maybe when this came out. No, I was like eight when this came out. And, um, I just remember like the dudes, it's about a creep. Uh, and I remember there's like one creepy moment in the movie where, I don't know, maybe I misremembered it as an adult now or as a kid, but, um, it seemed like he was being like real stalkerish. Yeah, it was like a stalker movie because the the one that I remember the ad there is like they they're looking at him through the doorbell supposed to, or like through the the door visor or whatever the hell. The, oh my god, I, the <laughs> my vocabulary just fell apart. You know they're looking at him through the through the through the people. <laughs> oh, through the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's typical like, weirdo stuff. You know that was his big line. He's like, let me in. He's all mad. I don't. I don't yeah, remember yeah. that part from the movie, but I remember but something else. Yeah, definitely, he's got it right. Like, go to the IMDb and then go to Wikipedia. It's kind of like the difference between like softcore porn and then the hardcore. <laughs> um, ap- appropriate uh, analogy there. But so anyway, that's that's what we were talking about before. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's our calling as we talk about movies from the '90s. Maybe we're better at that than boxing. Who knows? It could be. It's getting to be that way. Uh, do you remember uh, the movie with Macaulay Culkin, uh, The Good Son? Uh, yes. Where he was actually like uh, very bad. That was his. That was his evil role. Do you remember? Um, I remember the one where he, with he is also like uh, uh, terminally ill. Um, God, what movie is that? On I I can't remember if it's Netflix or um, so like oh God. So in the 90s, when you would go and rent a movie, uh, when you'd rent a movie, there would be trailers in front of your movie. So not only would you sometimes have to rewind it all the way to the front, but then you'd have to like either A, sit through the, the trailers, or B, um, fast forward, which also took time. So uh, sometimes when my parents would hit play on a movie, like I'd have to just watch the trailers because they watched them. And... Uh, you know, there's all these movies that I always wanted to watch, um, but never got to because I saw them in trailers and they look good. But my parents were like, probably, rightfully, uh, knowing that those movies are terrible. Like, uh, remember that movie, Getting Even with Dad? Uh, only through the name. I don't remember what it's about. Sorry. It had Ted Danson. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And and that had Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. I never got to watch that movie, but I really want to. But anyway, the, how did, what what did, brought this up for me? At least I was watching, uh, or I was on Netflix, and I saw this movie. I was like, oh, my God, I always wanted to watch this movie. What was that other movie with Macaulay Culkin where he, um, uh, he, it was like this, like, coming of age, like, um, love story between a two couple of, like, kids. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's the one where he's, like, terminally ill. Is oh is, that might be a spoiler, man. I think it's pretty much apparent. I think that's the whole angle. Um, that was the. I'm pretty sure that's the angle of the 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 trailers. I don't know. 
we're, we're going to spoil Macaulay Culkin. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I know you had your heart set on Are you this. sure? No, no, no. They can't be. We, the important thing is we didn't spoil Fear. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Fear, and we're we not could've. spoiling. You got to go watch that one. <laughs> yeah, because there's some good Oh, parts. maybe this is not Macaul- This is Okay. No, no, no. The Good Son is a, about Mark Evans as a boy whose mother, Janice, has recently died. Mark's father, Jack, is about to leave for a business trip, so he takes him to Maine to spend his winter break with his aunt, Susan, and his uncle, yeah. Wallace. Blah, blah, blah. Henry, Henry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah, Elijah Wood was in this one. Henry also begins to display psychopathic behavior, you know, yes. naturally for a nine-year-old, which Mark doesn't tell to Susan and Wallace because Mark is stupid. And he's like, no, 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 this guy is creeping me out and possibly going to kill me. Let me keep this to myself. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of those movies in the 90s where the kids are going to kill you. Like, they weren't evil or supernatural or anything. They were just like, they were psycho killers, you know? It's like, I don't know, the kid's 10. Pretty sure I can handle him. Susan starts to become suspicious and finds a rubber ducky that belonged to Richard and was with him when he drowned. Susan confronts Henry, who tells her that it belonged to him first and asked for it back. Susan refuses. Henry then takes it, runs to a cemetery, and throws it down a well. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there, uh, the point is, remember that movie Gold Diggers? Oh, you might have to give me the synopsis there. Gold Diggers was a movie, um, The Secret of Bear Mountain. I don't know why you would have watched it, because you, but it had Christina Ricci, and I definitely had a crush on Christina Ricci. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow, this was a this was a flop. The wh- what? Nothing floppy about Christina Ricci. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Gold Diggers was about it was like these girls that like are looking for gold, obviously. But it's not gold diggers in the, in the traditional sense. They actually went to like a mine or something. I don't know. I'm not Ooh, reading the twist. synopsis. It's a, it's incredibly long. The synopsis. So th- this movie's definitely got some fans. Um, right. I. Th- yeah, I think we should stop here. Um, oh, no. I mean, uh, uh, interestingly enough, Anna Klumski was in Gold Diggers. And yes. she was also in My Girl with Macaulay Culkin. Oh. That's the one where he's terminally ill. Spoilers. Yeah, no, no. My Girl was the one I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, there you go. Okay. So if you're still listening, there's this movie that – is the one movie that I remember watching and I can never remember the title to. I have no clue what it was, but it was about like, it's like a, a kid. I think it might've been like a, like a, uh, she was probably like a teenager and she had like a, a younger brother and maybe an, a, another younger sibling. And like, they stole a car and like they were out. And I, and the only scene that I remember was that they like, couldn't go home. So like they had run away or something. And so they spent the night in a 24-hour diner and kept, like, ordering stuff. Um, and, like, that always stuck with me as, like, a brilliant idea to, like, if if you were, like, I don't know, like, stole a car and, like, you had ran away from your parents and stuff and you needed a place to stay overnight, you just go to some place that's open 24 hours. But I don't know what movie that was. But, like, um, I've always wanted to, A, find out what movie that was. And, and B, watch it again. You know a movie yeah, I bet a... you really liked and you really sided with the dad? Radio Flyer. You don't remember? You didn't just watch Radio I Flyer? I remember. I think Tom Hanks was in that kinda. one. 
yeah, this is not exactly. Uh, I wasn't really catching up on these movies. You know, I'm a bit older, so you, I, I had I had the option to skip shitty movies. You you would do getting even with dad like. Uh... Oh, I should not I have know, searched no, Radio Flyer. I know Flyer. a lot of the movies. I remember the, the trailers, but I never saw them. You know? Radio Flyer was in... Oh, it had Lorraine Bracco in it. She's like fresh off of Goodfellas. Way to nice. follow up. Um, uh, this one had... Oh, no, it didn't have... It definitely didn't have um, Tom Hanks. But you know what it, what it did have? It had Elijah Wood. Look at that. They're all connecting. They're so, all following. Radio Flyer was about... Uh, this um stepdad that was like beating his kids or something <laughs> right on uh, wait what oh that's a bad thing sorry <laughs> well i don't know maybe those maybe those kids like had a bad vibe <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he had a bad vibe uh oh yeah yeah, yeah just oh oh wow i yeah just looking at the synopsis i really remember this one a father reminisces about his childhood when he and his younger brother moved to a new town with their mother her new husband, and their dog, Shane. When the younger brother is subjected to physical abuse at the hands of their brutal stepfather, Mike decides to convert their toy trolley, the radio flyer, into a plane to fly him to safety. Yeah, because radio flyer are those little red wagons. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tom Hanks was the narrator. I knew he was in this movie. Yeah, mm. this is... This this was... This is definitely a movie that probably you watch back and you're like, damn, this this thing is depressing. You never finished the story of why we got on this thing, though, which I'll say. Because that guy on Twitter keeps saying that your stories come up in his feed, even though when the story shouldn't because you're just quoting him. But No, so I'm we, not talking to him. I'm just tweeting. No, it, but it, this is what I'm saying. No, so he's sort of like stalking you. He's looking for your opinion, and then he criticizes your opinion. Yes. But he's the one who keeps looking for your opinion. Correct. So he's like Marky Mark trying to get to Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. And, and I'm Reese Witherspoon on the Ferris wheel where I can't go anywhere. And he's just sticking he's his hands to, up my up my yeah, skirt. He's, he's, he's trying to uh, give you the Joe Biden there. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about that. but Allegedly. I don't know about that. Joe, but... I don't know about that. Um See, because, like, he's not in any position of power to promise me anything. He's just a straight weirdo. Yeah. That's why the mute button also is the Steve character. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, damn, I, I really want to make a reference right now that uh, would definitely spoil the little thing. So I'm just going to tell you, we're going to end this podcast. I'm going to tell you, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you give us good ratings on Spotify. Uh, or no, 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 Apple Podcasts, whatever. Give a good yeah. rating and wait. If you're thinking maybe I should give a rating, maybe I shouldn't. Go to IMDb, Heat 1996. Look up that movie. Read the synopsis. Oh, Fear. You just said Heat. Shoot. No. Fear. Heat's a great movie. Watch that yeah, after. Heat. But yeah, Watch that after. <laughs> Fear 1996. Google that into IMDb. Read the synopsis. Then go to Wikipedia, read the synopsis there. It'll yeah. change your life. It will. Change your life. All right. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. We will be back very soon with another podcast. Bye.